Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ed Robertson, welcome you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Then we'll welcome back Oscar-nominated and three-time Golden Globe-nominated actor Eric Roberts in our second hour. Eric Roberts, one of the hardest-working actors in film and television today with more than 600 completed screen credits to his name. In his latest film, Eric Roberts plays a Hollywood agent who sets up one of his clients for a part that could turn her fortunes around, only not everything appears as what it seems in a new independent movie called Dog Boy that we'll tell you more about when Eric Roberts joins us in our second hour. We'll be up to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll open up our first hour by welcoming back Emmy Award-winning writer-producer and director Joseph Doherty. Joe's screenwriting credits include such acclaimed series as 30-something, judging Amy once and again, saving Grace and Pretty Little Liars, as well as such HBO film productions as Cast, A Deadly Spell, and the 1993 remake of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. As unlikely as this sounds, folks, the original screen adaptation of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman from 1958 made an indelible impression on Joseph Doherty. That experience was not only one of the things that led him on his path to becoming a writer for television, for film, and the stage. It also led to a decade-long friendship with Mark Hanna, the original screenwriter of 50-Foot Woman, not to mention annual gifts of fresh Mangoes. That is one of the many stories that Joe Doherty shares in his wonderful new book called A Screenwriter's Companion. We'll tell you more about that in just a second. Joseph Doherty, welcome back to our program. Thank you, sir. It's always good to be here. This is perhaps the best compliment I can pay you. I tend to think a lot about the pragmatic side of writing. I mean, it's no secret. I mentioned this on the year before when I don't produce the show. I write and edit books for a living. So I tend to think about the pragmatic side of what I do. What a screenwriter's companion made me stop and do many times is it made me stop and reflect on on things that I haven't thought about in a long time, which is why I do what I do. And that, I think, is what you ultimately want all your readers to do when they read your book. It's, it's interesting because to me, you know, when you say, when you say the pragmatic side, that, that translates to me to almost like talking about skill and craft. And I, I wanted to do something that would acknowledge skill and craft, but also let people have literally permission is part of the thing that I talk about is permission to look at those intangibles. I, I say early along that writers require um, visible means of support, but they also require invisible means of support, uh, internally and, and around them. I like that it may, I, I, I hope this is a reaction other people will have. It's a book for people who are writers, who'd like to just know more about writing, 
and have a lot of free time and want to read another book. <laughs> I'm, I'm insisting there are still people who read books, gosh darn it. Well, you know, I about 20 years ago, I, when I was, I was still living in San Francisco at the time, I attended a seminar. It was uh, the guest speaker was, I he was one of the first, uh, he ran one of the first digital publishing companies. This is before iUniverse. And he said very boldly, books as things will be a thing of the past within five years. He said that. Now, I, I know why he said that, because he's trying to get people to sign up for his company and to justify why uh, the association that I paid dues to paid him to speak to us on this Monday evening in 1997 or whenever it was. But part of what you write, you have, you have to come from a certain point of view, and you have to you have to make statements sometimes, and sometimes you swing in a miss, and, and and so forth. But what's been fun? I mean, I always every time I think about it's not and it's not just books as things; it's also media as things. There are those who say that DVDs are a thing or going to, but there's something very there about holding a book. And marking it up and having a bookmark and so forth, I mean, that's, that is part of the process of reading. And I think that's also part of why many writers do what they do. It's interesting. I, I have been told that there will be more digital copies of this book than there will be printed copies of a book. And that, that made me sad for about five minutes. <laughs> I mean, I think that's it's, – it's, it's like, well, you know what? It's – as long as somebody's reading it, That's if they're the thing. reading it on a tablet, fine. But I think I, I'm hoping it's not a generational thing. But 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 books are very tangible objects, and and my argument my argument with people who say, well, the DVD is going away and the Blu-ray is going away, is that streaming is not possessing. Yeah. If there's a movie, if there's a TV show. If there's something that really is important to you and you always want to have it around, you're going to have to purchase the physical medium or media, whichever is correct, um, because streaming could go away tomorrow. And, and in some cases, it, 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 it will. You're, if you love something, you should own it. Um, and there's something tangible in a book that isn't tangible about all the books on your, on your iPad or your device. Which is why I'm so glad that, you know that you know I get, I got to do I got to do a book and I'm going to do another one, and by God, let's see if anybody buys them. Joe's latest book is a screenwriter's companion, a screenwriter's companion instruction, opinion, encouragement. It is available both in physical print edition and as a digital edition through Fayetteville Mafia Press, which is the name of Joe's publisher as well as amazon.com now joe and i are talking via zoom in the background is joe's office which is full of books in various order some horizontal some diagonal some vertical but uh it is it looks like the office of of a writer and it kind of speaks to the point joe just made about books is that uh Depending on what one does, what, what type of writing what one does for a living, even, but even if you're a fiction writer, 
and you, you both have written for uh, television, film, and you have written short fiction. As, if I remember correctly, you'll tell me if I'm wrong. But at, at some point, uh, depending on what you're writing for the screen, you're going to pull physical books as part of your research. I mean, you don't just do every. You can't find everything on Google. There are things that <laughs> the only way you can find them are in actual physical libraries or things that didn't exist before Google made it so accessible. That is a question, it's, by the way. It was a question. Is it a question? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I mean, the nature of research is that the internet is great for finding out. The, the last thing I looked up that I needed on the inter, on the internet was was what kind of bread would have been baked uh, at the time that Sodom and Gomorrah blew up. <laughs> Because I'm just kind of I'm I'm kicking around this idea, and I said, "Gee, I wonder what you know what was was it you know?" And if so I could look at what's the bread that was going on in biblical times in the early Bronze Age, and they, you know, and they'll throw you some stuff. And what's great about writing, as far as I'm concerned, is you only need to know a little to appear to know a lot. Yeah. Because no one's because no one's going to ask you any of your characters a question that you haven't already answered. That's right. And. But, but there's the, it's like but there's the fun of actually I'm I, I hope it's not a generational thing I mean I love having books in my house I, and I like the fact that these books exist yeah. I like the fact that I've got a box of books coming in um, you know and I sign them and I send them back to the publisher which means of course if you purchase a book from the publisher you get a signed copy and if you buy it from the publisher absolutely none of your money will go to buy spaceships for rich people. That publisher being Fayetteville Mafia Press. Fayetteville Mafia Press, the publisher of a screenwriter's companion, Instruction, Opinion, Encouragement by our guest Emmy Award-winning writer-director Joseph Doherty. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to talk about more than just books as things. In fact, we have a very specific program that relates to many of the things that Joe talks about in in A Screenwriter's Companion. But going back to why books as things are never quite going to go away, you can't autograph a Kindle. I mean, you can, but there is something about having a physical book with the author's signature on it that is very visceral and it's why book signings as such aren't quite going to go away because there is something about gathering at a bookstore or, at, or the you know, community room of, of, of your local public library and hearing an author either just you know, get a, getting up and sharing, you know, reading a chapter from his or her, her book or being in conversation like you and I are in conversation right now about maybe the subject of the book or what led you to write this book. I mean... That's that's part of the and it's I don't think that's a generational thing because I went to a I went to an author discussion not too long ago, Joe, and there were people our age and there are people collegiate age in, in their thirties and forties. It's it's if if it's, if the subject interests you, it will cross generations, I think. 
No, I think it will. I just, I just hope. I mean, this could get to be like, boy, make your. I feel older by the minute. It's it's like I know there are two things that make is I I, as I once wrote a script and and I and I wanted to say something about a character and this this kind of this almost loops around to like the craft and school thing is is one of the things you have to do when you write a script is be as economical as you possibly can with language Uh, so I said that this one character the main character goes into the house of this woman and and all I say is there is not a single book in this apartment and I felt basically I had described her sufficiently and I also had a character say something about he had a book published with Deckel Edges <laughs> and, he's, and he said Deckel Edges try getting that on an ebook." <laughs> and right now everyone's looking up what Deckled Edges I, I'm gonna, that, that was my next question what are Deckled, what are deckled Edges they are, they are the, the, the side of the book not the top not the bottom but they are uneven pages oh, okay yeah, and it's like it's a publishing thing. There's also some things like French covers and stuff, and mo- and most one of my most recent conversations with the publisher because what I'll, I'll jump the gun here is it, lo- it looks like I'm going to have a novel come out next year. And the convers- last conversation I had with the publisher about that was how big it should be. It's the dimensions of the book. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Versus, versus how many pages? Because there was something about hand feel. I wanted it to feel a certain way in right. people's hands. There's a physicality to books. That's right. Um, you know, and this this from somebody who basically has been mostly a dramatist, and and slowly but surely, I've been my prose has become less and has gone from being not embarrassing to being good, <laughs> or or good like. I may counter with you on that, but that's another that's another conversation. You don't you don't win an Emmy award, Joe, unless you're good. Um, yes, this is true. Um, I certainly, I certainly don't see any fault in your logic. And you don't work as often as you did in the industry. A very competitive industry such as television, unless you're good. It's yeah. I think it's. I think one of the reasons I've lasted as long as I have in television is that nobody's noticed me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I putter around. I stay home a lot, and I've ever since I came out here, I've just been driving a succession of Hondas. <laughs> so. I, you know, I, that's worked out very well for me. So. And it's, it is, it's like, you know, it's easy to, it's, it, you can make a killing in writing, but it's hard to make a living. Yes, that is true. And those, uh, those who are fortunate to pretty much make a living as writers, I know at least two personally, you and there's a, my, my, my friend Paul Coyle, he was, he, he's been a screenwriter for 45 years. There, there aren't too many people who can say my entire adult life has been writing. And, and the fact that you not only are you fortunate enough to sell something in your 20s, but you, you write enough, you prove you can deliver, that's why people hire you, not only to write screenplays, that's why people entrust you to produce and to direct and, and to wear many hats, and that's how you leave your mark in the industry. And thank you for making my career start younger than it did. <laughs> um, I, one of the things, because I really didn't, I, I did not make a living at this until, until my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. 
and it's been it's been commented on by people if they look at my resume and then they look at <laughs> they look at this 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 person here uh and they say well geez you started kind of late and and i want to say well, it wasn't my idea to start late yeah i was in jackson heights writing my brains out where were you people well, the okay, you you may you may have started in your thirties, but the fact is that you know, once you once you had your first uh, taste of commercial success, I mean, you you've worked pretty much nonstop in writing for film, writing for television for the last thirty something years. Um, yeah, pun intended. But, but it's it's a funny thing is because like, I started, uh, you know, I, I I thought I was gonna when I was a kid, I thought I was gonna write movies. That that was what I anticipated to my, from a very early age because basically I I had no marketable skills in any other area or you know. um, and fortunately you know I, I couldn't afford to go to a film school uh, so I had to go to a play, I had to go to a smaller college and there was no film program so I went and I went to the drama program um, which I think is one of the reasons why I've I I been able to do what I've been able to do is that I did not start out writing television. I, I, I think I wasn't planning to write television. I wrote a play and it was it was it was mounted in New York at a short off Broadway run. And directly that play led to my writing on 30 something. And I wasn't expecting that. And and if if 30 something hadn't been there as a show I don't know if there would have been anyone who was that interested in the kind of writing I was doing so there's you know it's not so much luck so much as that you know it's the, you, the, you, you have to embrace the Dickensian concept of a coincidence um, they do happen they do happen um, and another word for coincidence might be opportunity so, so I said yes. I said yes to thirty something. I said yes to a couple of things, but I said yes to thirty something. And it's the it's the font that from you know the whole career came from there. Stumbles included, it all started there for me, which was surprising because uh, at first I thought I was going to be a film writer, and then I'll, here's the here's one of the stories that's not in the book is I I came out to Los Angeles and quite literally could not get arrested. Although I wasn't trying, very much. I mean, I, I came out here. With, I came out here with 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 somebody who was like trying. To, I I was trying to be a writer, and I came out here with somebody who was trying to be a producer. And we went to a couple of meetings, and we went to one meeting, and there was a guy at a desk, and he was talking about all his big deals. And he was saying, "We're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other thing, we're doing this fine." I read your script, and I don't know, and this is true. And in the middle of this conversation, the door opened. And a man walked into the office and did not acknowledge either myself or the other person, went up to the guy who, who was telling us about his career and said the following words. I'm going to Palm Springs for the weekend. you got to take care of my dog. <laughs> and then he left the room. And I said, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm pitching to the dog walker. <laughs> So what I did is on on the plane, I may have fictionalized this narrative. I on on the plane coming back from that trip, I said, I don't even know if I can if I can write anything anymore. Let me see if I can write something I want to do. So I went home and I wrote a play, 
and I put it in a drawer for a year. And then I took it out and I, and I got it over the transom to an agency. And again, they were agents at the agency to, to Gil Parker and his associate Peter Franklin at William Morris, uh, who called me up and said, hey, we'd like to shop this for you. And they did. And somebody liked it. It's there is this. I I make it sound very fortuitous, but it's really not. You have to be ready to take advantage of opportunities. You have to you have to acknowledge what they are, and you have to build on them. You you have to accept the fact that good things can happen. It was very strange when good things started to happen to me because I come from an upbringing that basically said to me, "Well, now that something good's happening to you, the <laughs> piano's going to fall on your mother." <laughs> Because that's how I was brought up. <laughs> Look out for the good stuff. And and no piano fell on my mother. She she lived a good long life, but that her cause of death was not piano. And it's, it's weird. Yes. It's, life is weird. Life is I, weird. That would, be my, that would be my very articulate expression on that topic. Yes, life is weird, and hopefully no piano will fall on either of us in the course of this conversation. Joe Doherty is our guest, Joseph Doherty, Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, director of 30-something and other television shows, and the author of A Screenwriter's Companion. We'll continue our conversation with Joe in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take a quick time out, then we'll take a look at this week in TV history right after this. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.